Action Park Media. You guys are in for a treat. Uh, I have known this man for about maybe 16, 17 years. Um, he truly is a delight. He's gone through a big life and career pivot. We have a good chat about being mates with your exes and yeah, just basically have a life debrief. It was a lot of fun. This is Pretty Depressed with Dom Harvey. I mean, I guess the best place to start is to talk about, I am going to actually start by talking about running because I remember you mentioned to me, gosh, when was it? Early pandemic at how it just totally helped your mental health. And I've spoken to you, I've spoken to PJ and I've spoken to Brody, three people whom I love, who have all been in radio, similar to what I do and how much it's helped with your mental health. Yet I've still, oh, and Anna, Still haven't quite got to that place of actually doing it yet. Um, <laughs> for, for people who do struggle with mental health, like how have you seen and doing a podcast, which, you know, has an initial premise about running, how have you found that kind of, you know, hitting the pavement has helped? And do you think that there is some, you know, proof in the pudding for that? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, um, but I think, um, I, I mean, you're running, running, for me, is where um, I sort of found found my peace. Um, but I'd say were it's a, any sort were of. Were you a late adopter to it? Kind of. I, I ran a bit when I was at school. Like I was never never very good or anything. And then I, then I gave up and I just had a very very hedonistic time in my twenties and got um got grossly grossly out of shape. And I just didn't I didn't feel good and I didn't look good and I didn't like who I, who I was. And I started running again for the um, for the purpose really of just like lose, losing weight. But then. Um, Along that along that sort of journey, I sort of um, stopped obsessing about the weight. And I just I just felt good about myself. It was and it didn't happen overnight or anything. It was just sort of like a, a slow transition thing. So I didn't sort of realize it happened. But I, I would say that to anyone, maybe running's not your thing, and that's that's perfectly cool. But um, just any sort of like physical movement, eh? Just to, to clear your head, it's um it's, it's amazing that it's it's one of those things we've only sort of been talking about. I feel like for the last ten years, like for. For centuries, everyone's known of the um, yeah the physical benefits, the benefits of exercise from the neck down, but um, the mental health benefits, hey, it's just, it's exponential. It's crazy. Someone told me like, because I've been trying to do, there's a thing here in LA called Training Mate, which I believe is really similar to F45. Um, and I never want to go, but I do always feel better afterwards. But it does take me like, it's an, it's an hour class. It does take me a good like 20, 25 minutes, even when I'm there. To like, I still hate it until kind of that point. <laughs> what do you? What, so what do you do? Like, I know you do. You spend a lot of time in the ocean, which is um, that's another really like cathartic and good thing to do as well. But what do you do to keep fit? That's really it. And I've only been working out since I was diagnosed with depression because I basically have to. But I still don't enjoy it until kind of that twenty-five minute mark, and then I start mm. getting endorphins, and then I always feel better afterwards. But I totally relate to why people have that barrier of entry with exercise. Of like, <laughs> I don't know if anyone is like, "Oh yeah, I can't wait to go." Like, I don't, I, I don't know if that's. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, um, yeah, I, I don't mind it now. Like, um, there's a saying in running circles that the, you know, the, the hardest bit about about going for a run is getting your shoes on and basically forcing yourself to do that. But I, I, no, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't relate to that anymore. Nice. I, I just, I love it. I, I love it. But can we, can we just talk about your, your depression for a bit? Yes, we can. You can take the, yeah. you take the driver's seat of this. <laughs> so old habits, old habits die hard. No, because um, I, I've known you for many, many years and it was, um, I, I think it was 
quite quite brave and courageous of you when you came out and, and did that. And the first I sort of knew about it was when you launched this podcast like three years ago. But um, I did it in the back of my mind. I, I did always 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 not worry about worry is not the right word, but I did. Yeah, maybe maybe I did sort of worry about you a little bit because um, you and you mentioned Anna before Anna Hutchison, a good mutual friend of ours. You know, you you both actors, you both relentlessly positive. You're both bright and bubbly. And I always, I worry about her too. It's like, there's got to be, no 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 one can keep that state of mind permanently. Like it's not, it's just no, not. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I do, I think what I was really concerned about when I was diagnosed with depression was that, oh, am I faking it when I'm happy? But it's not. What it is is that like when I'm engaged and doing things, like that's all very genuine. I'm very lucky that I have a bubbly persona. But mm. what I realize is like, two things can be true at the same time. I can be a really bubbly person, but it also means when I'm alone and I am left with my own thoughts, it can be a real recipe for a dangerous place for me. So I think when I'm, it's why Anna, I'm well, speaking out of turn here for Anna, but Anna and I both kind of, I would say, have busy lady syndrome. We like to keep busy. And I think part, <laughs> part of that is my anxiety. Part of it is filling time. But it's also because for a huge, my entire life, any time of rest or any time of calm would be when everything that I hadn't dealt with would bubble up. And so I would mm. just avoid it like the plague. And then, you know, when you are an actor and you go through seasons of unemployment, which I'm curious to speak to you about, of like a complete career change, a lot of stuff comes up when suddenly what you've been doing or what you feel like your entire identity is tied to, whether it's just a season of unemployment or you're taking a full shift, a lot of things come up that you haven't allowed yourself time to deal with. And for me, it was to do with a lot of past traumas, a lot of coping mechanisms, and I just have incredibly severe negative self-talk that I would just medicate by keeping busy was basically my drug of mm. choice was keeping occupied because then there's no time to deal with it. So that was kind of how my brand of depression is negative self-talk. It's just nothing's ever good enough right down to like how I would chop an onion or anything like that. Like I just can't seem to give myself a break in my own head. My racket is just so severe. I don't know. If oh you my God. That. Yeah. I'm um God, yeah, I'm I'm much the same. And when but when I um when I when I catch myself doing it, I, I um have been trying to get better at reining myself in because it's like I'd never I'd never let another person talk to me like that. Or oh, I'd never really? talk to another person like that. So why would you why would you do it to yourself? Yeah. It's Did so, you notice because obviously, you know, you've had this amazing career in radio and you were doing that what every day for how many years? All of them? Oh, um, it, it, 20 years at, at the edge and then another 10 years, 30 years all up. Wow. So, okay. So what was it like then taking a pivot? Were you, were you kind to yourself or were you a bit of a cunt? <laughs> um, I, it's, it's been, it's, it's been just over a year now and it's been, it's been, it's been really, really good. Okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you, you don't sort of realize how 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 much of your your identity it becomes, which is like a dangerous thing, eh? It's, so I'd find I'd, I'd um 
you know, like like text people or email people to get them on the show. And I, I didn't, I you know, say, hey, it's Dom from the Edge here. Yeah, yeah which is um, it's terrible. So yeah. it's, well, it's not terrible, Dom. but Dom. when you do it for that, hey, eh? it's Dom. Just Dom, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> who am I? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I, I mean, I, I, I love pop culture and stuff, but I probably like, as a necessity of my job, had an unhealthy obsession with um, with pop culture. So it was nice, like earlier this year when the Oscars thing happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock, I could see it and go, oh, oh shit, that was that was terrible, and then just get on with my day. Not yeah. like, oh my god, we need ten different angles for how we can, uh, you know, address this tomorrow morning. So. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's um, it's good now. I'm in a good place, but it, it's um, it, it's um, terrifying as well being self-employed. Like I've I've been a wage slave my entire life, so I'm trying to make a real fist of the the podcast game now. And um, I need to I need to remind myself just to try and be in the moment and not stress about the future and just like trust the process and you know do what you love and the money will follow sort of thing. But but it's um, How's it's terrifying. Going? How how is hey. that going? How is it going for you? <laughs> well, it's at this stage. Uh, I'm like five or six months in. I'm I'm I feel like I'm um I'm a bit of a fraudster. You know, there's, there's people like you that have been doing it for three years, and you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. There's a lot of people that have been doing podcasts for a very long time. So I'm very very late on the, the bandwagon. But um, it's definitely this year. Um, it's been more of a um a labor of love and okay. a passion project. Um, there is some money, some sponsorship money coming in, but it's 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 not a great amount. But I just feel really, really good about about what I'm doing and the conversations I'm having with people. Well, they are brilliant. I've listened to a few of them, and I mean, there's no one better suited for a podcast than you, my love. So you're you're doing a wonderful job. I'm curious though, like, because a lot of people have had to take you know post pandemic pivots. Is there anything that you learned in this process, which I know yours isn't pandemic related, but people listening, I'm sure can relate mm. to the fact of yeah. having a career change or whether their hand was forced or whether they were inspired by something greater. Mm. Is there any advice or anything you were gifted by anyone that was helpful? Um, I, I, no, I don't know exactly. What I, what I would say to those people is like, just, just do it now. Just, just you know just jump and do it um don't yeah don't don't procrastinate because the time's never going to be perfectly right mm. you know the the situation's never going to be perfect you're never going to have like the absolute right time to do it so there's just no time no time like the present i've been i've been thinking about doing a podcast for yeah for for a long yeah for a very long time and i i, I never would have got around to it while i was still doing morning radio yeah yeah yeah. What about validation then? Because I get all my validation from employment. I've obviously taken a, a bit of a step away from being on the radio every day. Have you felt mm. any like seeking validation elsewhere? Because you're not getting people call or text you every day, or has it been quite nice? Oh, uh, I, I must admit, I, I didn't realize how much of a um like a, a validation or approval junkie I was, but um it's definitely a thing. And I've noticed it even with the podcast, which isn't isn't healthy, but you know, whenever I get like a like a, a nice review or someone sends me a DM, I, I, I still I still really like it. And um and it, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like that's maybe a little unhealthy. That's probably something I need to work on. I don't know. I think it's really healthy. You can admit you like validation. It's like I always say that I love attention and people kind of like screw up their nose. I'm like <laughs> 
better that I say it and own it rather than you think it and I deny it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm a yeah. Performer for a living. If I have your undivided attention and you're enjoying whatever I'm providing, then that's the best compliment that I could receive. So yeah. I think validation's fine. What is your favorite like compliment to receive? Do you know? Uh, what plans the most? So- yeah. It's sort of, sort of work related. Just people people saying people saying that they enjoy it really. Yeah. People saying it saying it's good. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't, I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm addicted to compliments. <laughs> is there one that maybe isn't work related that you love to hear the most? <laughs> um. God, I don't know. Um. We are the um, worst at answering this question. It's so fascinating. It's yeah. like we, we don't, we think we're being arrogant by asking, but it's interesting because some people it's that they're a great mother or that they're a great mm. friend or someone the other day said that the biggest compliment they've ever got is that they're someone's emergency contact. And I was like, that's really sweet. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. yeah mine, mine's probably just, just if, if, if people, people say I'm, um, I'm kind or a good person. And I would have like, I would have found that nauseating a few years ago. Like, okay. I, I suppose, you know, and you, you came on my radio show a few times, and my, my job was to be like a bit of a, a bit of a shit stirrer and a bit of a jackass, really, um, which wasn't necessarily who, who who I am at my core as a person. So I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be funny and you know, like a, a court jester. But you know, if someone tells me I'm a good person or I'm a kind person, I like that. You are. A I good appreciate person. the acknowledgement. You are a kind person. Mm, thanks. And also just, you know, getting getting back before you were saying Kiwi's bad at answering that. Um, I, with, with the podcast stuff I'm doing now and sort of establishing myself as a as a brand, which again sounds an awful thing to say, I do like draw inspiration from you because you've been doing this shit for over a decade now. I, I remember you used to have your pens and your merch and it was so... We're coming up 16 years that I've been doing... 16. Yeah, isn't that gross? And it was so, I mean, like there's so much so much more content creators now and people are doing that sort of thing. But that was, um, yeah, like you were the, you were the first. That was so un-Kiwi what you were doing. You oh, know I what got, I mean? I got a lot of pushback. <laughs> but I'm glad yeah, I did. I, yeah. yeah, I know. And you've, and you've done bloody well with it. It's, it should be commend, you know, commended because otherwise you could have been, um, what was your character's name on Shortland Street? Sophie? No. Yeah, good job. Yeah, like you. You could have just been, uh, you know, like um, Chris Warner. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, Sophie from Shortland Street, but oh. you're not. You're not. Everyone knows you as Kim, which is cool. Thank you, Dom. I appreciate that. Um, what do you reckon you've learned about yourself in the last year? What would be your main takeaway? Um, that I don't need as much money as what I thought I did. Right. I, I don't know. I've That's this, such a I've good got, thing to learn. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I've, um, I don't know if it's a hangover from the way I was raised or whatever, but I've always, I, I have quite an unhealthy relationship with money and just a fear of like not having any, I guess. Yeah, of course. We, we, Did you grow up wealthy or poor or in the middle or? Well, it, it's funny, like just very, very standard 1980s New yeah. Zealand. So um, it was always a three bedroom house with one bathroom. So my two sisters shared a room, me and my brother shared a room. Um, we never had like, real not you know we had rissoles and um, mm-hmm. chops and things never had really nice meat or anything but I look back now and I, 
I think mum and dad had a bit of money, but they just, dad was a tight ass. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Funny how we never saw the benefits of this. No family holidays in Fiji. Curious, curious. Okay, so what do you think that's about? Because I, um, I've we never came from money, and therefore I just have some really horrible habits that I always feel like I'm overly generous with finances because we kind of had in our family like money will come, money will go, like, but never really learned good saving techniques, you know. Um, never setting yourself up for a rainy day. Like those were things that I'm like still trying to learn and I really hard lessons to learn when you live or are pursuing a feast or famine lifestyle. It's like, great, I'm employed. Mm. And the irony, like right now, I've been on the telly a lot in the past few months, but that was stuff I worked on three months ago and I've been unemployed for two months. So it's quite like interesting, like how, you know, that was great. I was busy two months ago, but I haven't worked for two. So it's it's quite hard. I'm finding it quite hard with a freelance lifestyle of like knowing you have no crystal ball of like will mm. I work again and that can get. So that's something fun you can look forward to with your new freelance lifestyle. <laughs> are you are you quite good at budgeting though? So if you get a if you get a, a good size check, are you quite good at saying, right, I can I can ration this out over the next three months? Or or are Absolutely you like, yeah, let's go and spend it? Absolutely not. I'm not good at that at all. But I'm, it's not that I'm spending <laughs> on things ridiculous. I just, you know, more than anything, it's just traveling to work. That's my biggest expense is kind of bouncing between countries for opportunities to pursue, to propel myself forward in my career. Like it's, I don't buy fancy clothes. I don't buy fancy food, mainly because I can't cook. So <laughs> I'm pretty basic in terms of like my lifestyle that I lead. But yeah, it's just travel is my biggest expense and, and trying to soak up as many opportunities as I can as cheaply as I can because I think that's yeah, my yeah. main priority is to see as much of the world and experience as much as I possibly can whilst I don't have any dependence or, in, you know, like I'm just kind of just a body floating in the world, um, which it is my choice to prioritize that. What do you yeah. spend your money on? What's expensive? Oh, when I was when I was working, um, like business class flights. I've never flown at the. Wait, you go in the plane and you turn left. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh it's, my god! And I, I look back now, and it's a it's a stupid waste of money. It's like three times three times the price, and it's like you do get there at the same time, but you just and you enjoy the whole trip. Like, yeah, totally. That's you're, so you're true. In, yeah, you're in the Uber going to the airport, and you're not dreading like a a twenty four hour flight. You know, st- and stressing about whether you're going to have the middle seat or not. You know, <laughs> but it's um, yeah, it's 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 an incredible waste of money, and I, I I'm not doing that anymore. Absolutely not. You can join me. Thirty seven D is my seat. <laughs> That's my seat of choice. Yep, in an economy, love it. Nice. It's far I'm enough forward, so you get off the plane. It's on an aisle. I pee a lot, so I've got to be on an aisle so I don't disrupt anybody. Um, yeah, it's the perfect economy seat. Wow, you put a lot of thought into that. I fly a lot. <laughs> is it is it is it like an exit row one? So you've got a bit of no. Mm. No. And how's um? You may not want to answer this, but I, I saw you were on a TV show here in New Zealand um, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Tom Sainsbury, like a loved one. I and you are, are you are, are you in a relationship at the moment or not? It sounds like you're a relationship junkie. It does sound like that. I said on that show. <laughs> Because I've been in 12 relationships also since I was like 14, which I think is fine. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So most are most of them sort of like about a year long. Ish. Some of them were short. Some of them were longer. Is that? I didn't think that was like that crazy. No. Do you do you just um? Are you a romantic? Do you just do you just love the idea of being in love? No, I just fall in love really easily. I think I fall mm. in love kind of without inhibition, and then if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But I'm mates with all my exes. You know a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It says, I think it says a lot about you as as a person. How, how many times do you reckon you've been in love? I guess I would argue anyone that I would put on that list that I spent a period of my life with, I still have love for. I think in terms yeah. of like intoxicating head over heels, passionate, crazy love. I think they all felt like that at a time. They didn't all continue to feel like that. But I don't I don't think it's difficult for me to fall in love. I have love for everyone. I love you. Like that's not mm-hmm. the difficult jump for me. And then I think being disappointed or things not working out, I also feel like I'm a little bit numb to because it's that's also my career and dealing with rejection. So I guess... I would rather have that experience than be in something that's a cause of severe unhappiness or unhealth mm. or it's not a fit. Um, so I'm fine. But I also realize that that's also, I'm, I don't enter something being like, this will end soon. Let's blow it up. I don't go in. <laughs> but I think it's hard, you know, like I also live overseas a lot of the time. There are different challenges that come. And I just, I think I just never really to this point in my life that I've you know was ready to take more serious steps with in terms of marriage or children I just I kind of just haven't wanted that for myself yet Mm. um but yeah apparently 12 is a really high number Yeah, it did did seem like quite a lot, but, you know, yeah, when you break it down. Back to it, like, since you're 14, you know, I, you know, my first boyfriend was at school. That was a year. That's one, you know, and then you, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's, it's, I think it says a lot about you as a person that you've, um, yeah, maintained friendships with all of them. It's, uh, I, I I fully agree with you. I, um, yeah, like once I, once I love someone, I'm always going to, I'd like to think I always have some love for them. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean? Have such a well, it seems like from the outside, such a like healthy mutual uncompanying with JJ, but it also it feels like everyone's POV of that is like this is crazy, right? Yeah, oh, I, I, I have um, yeah, so, so much love for her, and it's like um, I, I don't know, like since since I've um, yeah, I'm pretty like you, like busy ladies, <laughs> busy ladies yeah. syndrome. So the, the past year, I've I've had time to like pause and think about a few things in my life, and um. Like the stuff that JJ went through for, for me, like we, I, I ended up with this tumor and, and it caused fertility issues, and we had years and years of IVF treatment. And I look back now, and she, like, she never really wanted to have kids, but she knew how much I wanted to have kids. And yeah. so, even though I was the one with the fertility issues, she's the one that had to do all the really fucking hard, hard, uncomfortable work with that. And I look look back now, and I've just got so much gratitude about that. Um, well, it's one of those one of those things that came on for years and years without even crying. Like I'd cry at like a, a funeral, and that was about it. But now, if I, if I sit and dwell on that for more than a couple of minutes, like it it, it makes me like almost cry happy tears. Um, just the, the really, stuff that she she went through it was so generous. But that's also really generous of you to be articulate to that too. And I think I don't know. I'm a big believer. Like my mum's been married three times, my sister a couple of times, my dad a few times. Like. 
I am all about, I think everyone goes into marriage or relationship wanting it to work out. But it also like, as long as you've given it a good nudge and you're not hurting anyone, you're kind to it. Like it's also okay if things don't work out. Like my mom, every family holiday and stuff, my mom's husband's one and three are both there. Like, I don't know, it's just a cool I feel like I grew up in a household where, and that's probably why I have that POV with my ex-boyfriends as well. It's like, if we didn't hurt each other, we just weren't meant to be to each other and someone else. Like, why do you have to be so aggressive towards them? I will say though, <laughs> a lot of my ex-boyfriends, new girlfriends don't particularly like me. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> I do well, tend to like- have, that seems to be my biggest area of conflict in my life is like still having relationship with, ex-boyfriends and friendship because they all have independent relationships with my family my family come as a group package like if you date one of us or marry one of us you get the whole lot we travel as a pack so it has been a difficult navigation for some new girlfriends Mm. kind of yeah well yeah wonder why that that is is it's like i don't know it's it's territorial yeah, and I think in theory it can sound a little bit weird. I think any of them who have given it a chance, like we're always extremely welcoming. We want to see them happy. I think it's just, I do think as Kiwis we can be a little closed-minded when something's a bit not how it should be, quote-unquote, done. We're a little resistant to it. But just because you were intimate with someone in the past doesn't necessarily mean like when you see them you want to jump their bones. Like everyone, you break up for a reason. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I, I really like it's that, um, that territory that, that, that people are like, <laughs> it's like yeah. you can have them. I'm perfectly fine in the friend zone. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the, uh, the thing is with marriage though, like the, like the vows, the vows, you know, sickness, health, better for worse forever and ever until we die. It sort of um, sets the platform that anything less than making it right to your deathbed with that person is a fail. Do you feel that way? A little, I guess. That probably comes down to like I was sort of raised raised um Catholic, so there's this Catholic guilt thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, like we we don't we're doing great now. There's a saying I really like that um I don't know who, how it comes from, but it's like everyone comes into your life um for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I and I yeah, I really like that. And I think um I think yeah, yeah JJ, I, I certainly hope that that doesn't change and you know we'll be in each other's lives forever. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful that you guys are super open about it because it does, you know, for people for no fault of their own, maybe there was some cheating involved or whatever that isn't good grounds for a single Mm. marriage or whatever. For other people's situations, I know like that's some stuff my mom went through. So it's like, yeah, that person isn't suited for her to live her best life and things like that. But she was able to find my stepdad who she's been with for 25 years and he's fucking awesome. Um, Um, No judgment passed for anyone. I, I just think it's cool that you're another example of like you guys aren't together but you're still in each other's lives and I think that can give people a lot of hope too um because it doesn't need to be all nasty kind of I don't know life's too short man like <laughs> not yeah. carry anger and rage like that's it's only hurting yourself at the end of the day that's something I learned I had a lot of anger about you know actually a friendship breakup and it's like at the end of the day I'm the only one hurting they're fine you know yeah. Um, so, so um, yeah, my my old co-host uh, Clint Randall, he's got a got a saying. I don't know if it's a biblical thing or what. What, but he yeah. said, um, like anger is like holding holding onto a hot rock and hoping the other person gets burnt. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. 
Yeah. Which is hard because forgiveness is a really difficult thing. If you're waiting for an apology that you're never going to get, that can be really stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how are you? How are you today? Like um, mentally, you're in a good space. Good space today at the moment. Yeah, I am in a really good space. I feel like I definitely have checks and balances. As soon as I'm not sleeping, that's kind of that would be the gate. Like that's the gateway to like the wheels falling off for me. Mm. Um, sleep. I don't surprisingly don't, as I'm aware, have any kind of addiction tendencies towards. I don't do drugs. I drink a little bit, but nothing crazy. So I'm not someone who medicates that way. I'm far more likely to medicate with being busy, which can sometimes then affect sleep. So that's kind of that cycle for me. What about you? Um, yeah, I'm good today. The, the sleep thing's been huge. Eh? I was when I was doing breakfast radio hours. I was always one of these people like, oh, I I, I can get by on six hours a night. I'm you know yeah. now I've been waking up naturally for like the last year, and I yeah eight or nine hours, and I'm good. I'm good to go. I, I um yeah, yeah. <laughs> treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. How do you keep sleep's- your energy up? Because everyone like you definitely come across likewise as like someone who's full of energy all the time. What are you, is that important to you? Um, I, su- I suppose I, I suppose I am reasonably, uh, reasonably sort of high, high energy, but I'm also quite, um, you know, when, when I'm at home alone or just me and, me and my girlfriend, like I'm, I'm quite sort of like introspective and quiet, I guess, you know, I, I, I do like, I do like the sanctuary of you know, my own home and just being quiet. Are you the same when you're? Yeah, I recharge alone. So I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert introvert. What does that mean? It means that I, if you're a true extrovert, it's basically how you recharge. So I love, if I'm interacting, to be giving 110%. And if I'm not, or I'm feeling a bit unwell, or I'm in a social setting and I feel like I'm not giving someone my full attention, I start to spiral a little bit. Like it feels like I'm letting them down and myself down. So I have a limited amount of energy per day and I need to go and be alone to recharge that kind of energy or step away for a minute to recharge. Um, Whereas some people, if you're a true extrovert, extrovert, it means that you recharge by being around people and feeding off that energy. What would you say you are? Um, I don't, don't, you know what? I've never really, I've never really sort of thought about that. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I'm probably actually the same as you. It's like I, I can um, I, I can go out and, and be on, um, mm-hmm. but I also like being off as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like getting home, flicking my shoes off, putting track pants on and just... <sighs> like are you not- a better version of on if you've had time to be off or can you just maintain on? Because some people can... T- just- oh, yeah, yeah I, I, I can probably maintain it, but I just rather not. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> well, that's good. That's part of it. <laughs> but you're... Um, like you, 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 like no, no one would, no one ever has a bad um, Kim Crossman story. Like you're, you're always so nice to everybody that you meet. Thank you. Well, I usually enjoy meeting people, so it's not, it's really not disingenuous. <laughs> and I think I, I have to get better at. I do know as a true people pleaser that if I did have bad experience or felt bad energy coming at me from other people it's in my nature to double down on those people to try change their opinion. And that's my unhealthy quality. That is me going like, that's not, 
so I have I really need to work on that. That's something. Oh I'm, my god, I, I, I'm exactly the same. I'm a I'm a fucking puppy. It's like why 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 won't you love me? One hundred percent. I'll change everything um, about myself. What are you into? I'll find a way. <laughs> I'll be yeah, into. And, and but then, then you think you think okay, you you don't like everyone. There's people that you don't like for no reason whatsoever. So why do you expect everyone to like you? It makes no sense. You expect that because you have learned from an early age that you can adapt to any surrounding, and you've been paid as a professional to do exactly that and have a pleasurable mm. experience for someone, no matter if they're good, bad, whatever kind of person. So when you can't do that and you can't win someone over, it does feel um, <laughs> like, a, what, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, 100%. I, I feel like some of me maybe comes from, from a, you know, years and years of doing radio where you, you live and die by the ratings. And it's like, so you, you need people to like you. Yeah. And um, you're putting a lot of your personality out there. So if, if, you, if the ratings aren't good, it's like, well, fuck, people don't like me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you, are you, do, you st- do you go to therapy? Are you, have you still got I a therapist? Or? Yeah, yeah, I do. And one of the things I had to do as an exercise in therapy about that was to write down a list of 10 people I care about the most and then write down how much of my day or time I gift to those people versus others. And it was quite alarming to realize how much time or energy I was gifting to like, um, what is a non-friend, like a, like an acquaintance, like how mm-hmm. much energy yeah. I put into maintaining acquaintances um, validation or importance over the 10 most important people, my family and my longest friends and how much energy I am actively putting into that and it was quite an aha moment that the people who I should should be pouring into I wasn't yet because oh this person you know said can I get a coffee and I don't want to let them down and you know uh, whatever I would be spending a lot of my time on that versus like no no I should go and see my best friend Albie and have dinner with her and that is a healthier use of my time that's that's such a good such a good exercise. I, I think a lot of people are probably guilty of that. I eh? like the, the the people that are you know your day ones or whatever you want to call them. You just take, mm-hmm. sort of take them for granted because you know they're not going anywhere. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great the whole exercise. Unconditional love thing, and also who I'm the shittest around. You know, like I'm I put a lot more effort sometimes into you know like I'm the worst around my own mother because I know she loves me unconditionally but that's not fair for my mother's relationship yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no I, I, that's um that's human nature though I like we we reserve our worst behavior for the people that we love the most it's so fucked up but I and I'm really guilty of that like because I'm not afraid I know they'll love me anyway if I seeing the tired kind of bratty Kim which definitely there's a version of me in that um, yet I would, it would kill me if you ever saw that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, your opinion is so much more important. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to see that, Kim. You know, no, I'm like, I'll speak back to my mother. Basically, I just revert to the, apparently everyone does it with their like parents or parental figures. It's like you revert back to the age in which you left home, kind of like whatever that version was. The amount right. of times I'm at home and I'm like, mom, where's my green sweat? Like yelling at her from another room, like just being a complete twat. So, <laughs> I is there anything you're working on if you want to be open and vulnerable with me at the moment? Like anything, um, you, oh, this is a blind spot that I've got to work on. Oh, I got, got the, yeah, there's, there's so many things I've just become, um, yeah, uh, just a, a lot more, a lot more self aware. Cool. Specific work ons, um, 
No, no, no nothing specifically. I, I, I've just realised, like, um, I think there's, there's people that, that have depression, like a chemical imbalance in, in their brain, like, um, like, like JJ's got that, and she, she's on medication, and the mm. she, she's, try, she's tried to get off the medication, but the doctor said, no, look, you... In the, this is you for life. You don't need to try and get off it. It's like you've got a chemical imbalance and the, these drugs fix that imbalance. Um, then there's, there's um, I think, people like me, and I, I, I don't have a chemical imbalance, but I just I just know that there's things I can do that um, keep my mental health good and things that I do, if I do too much of that, yeah, put me in a bad space mentally. So I just, when you're aware of those things and what it takes to, you know, keep your mental health good, then, um, yeah, life's a lot easier and a lot better. Was there anything that you learned from being in relationship with someone who was like me, chemically imbalanced, that you think would be helpful to share? That maybe some behavior that was either helpful or hindering? Because I know there are a lot of people living with someone with depression or friends with someone with depression. Was there anything in your relationship that you felt was helpful? And then anything that was hindering that we could all take away as a little token? Um, yeah, well, first of all, I, I, um, I had a complete lack of sort of empathy or understanding, um, and it, it came from a good place. Like, so, um, you're seeing the, you know, the person you love, like, uh, in, in that sort of, um, in that state where she, she, like, she can't get out of bed or doesn't want to see the daylight for like a week or 10 days on end. It's a, it's a hard thing to go through. So yeah. I sort of addressed it at the time by being like, come on, you know, it's a new day, the sun's up, we'll get out, we'll go for a walk, get a coffee, come on. And I realised now that, that you know, I, yeah, I, I, was, I was just a dick by doing that. It came from a good place um, and it came from a, a place of love, but it just wasn't the right, yeah, she, she didn't need to hear that. She just needed me to just be there and, and understand. Um, yeah, John Kuhn put a book out called um, All Blacks Don't Cry, which um, I found a particularly helpful resource and just okay. giving me a better understanding of... Um, you know, me- mental illness and depression, and yeah, the way yeah. the way you should approach it, and yeah, yeah, I, and um, yeah, yeah. I, I I look back now, and it's like um, you know, I try not to beat myself up too much about it because oh. like it, it wasn't coming from a mean place, but it's like I look back now, it's like God, you're an idiot. That was completely the wrong way to handle it. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with the information you know, and you obviously want to do the right thing, and I think that's everyone's POV is like they want to help the person and it's uncomfortable seeing the person you love not feel comfortable and if you haven't experienced it before how are you to know because you're only taking from your own life experiences which when you're down you know that this would help get you better you know Mm, I think that's probably a hard thing for someone who hasn't gone through a depression to understand that your seasonal depression is very different than chemical depression. So if you... Is that that, that what it's called? Seasonal depression? So if you perhaps had a bad breakup or you had, you were fired from a job or someone died and you went through months or a year or a few years of a depression, but that's not necessarily that's a situational kind of something happened and then therefore you were depressed that would be seasonal or situational depression chemical depression is a lifer and that means that your serotonin levels are down like it's it's something that you will it's like you said earlier like JJ and I have something that's a lifer it's there it's bubbling away it'll rear its head maybe because something happened or maybe because nothing happened and Mm. it can kind of be triggered by anything so what I've learned is to, you have to be very careful if you are trying to 
communicate with someone who has got life of depression and you're trying to advise them from your experience in seasonal depression because they're two different beasts. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I, I didn't realize there was a there was a label for it, but um, I like that one. It's good. Yeah, because it's, it's it does. And I think I think season, seasonal depression is one of those things that could hit any one of us at any time. A hundred percent. And you definitely will come out the other side of it. You know, like it may never feel like you will, but usually you will. It's it's based on you working through something or an event. Um, and then for, you know, some people who do have it for life, it will it will also come and go kind of like seasons, but it's not necessarily tied to one thing. It's just a, a baseline chemical. And that's usually when you need medicating or or some form of therapy to kind of help you through it. But oh. it's. Um, it- Therapy, therapy is great. I, I, I um, God, I, I was so nervous about doing it. I put it off for so many years, and then it's yeah. like, it's um, it's the greatest thing. You just get to talk about yourself for an hour. It's wonderful. Yeah, and you learn so much. Like, I think New Zealanders are still a bit behind that we kind of are a bit oh about like talk therapy, but there are plenty of other versions of therapy too that you can do and look into. And I mean, here in LA, I know particularly it's a huge barrier of entry when people are dating people that they usually won't date someone who's not currently in or has been in therapy. Because, Is that so? Yeah, because wow. people you know, people are picky here. There's a lot of choice. And rather than entering in relationship, we all have baggage. We all were raised by imperfect parents. We've all got stuff. And whether it's the way you argue, whether it's your passive aggressive, whatever it is that you're carrying into a relationship. I think here, especially in LA and the dating scene, it's like people want to know that you're on top of your shit. And so you're not going to develop it in a year's time after dating. And it's like, oh, okay, you've definitely got some severe anger issues or trigger warnings or you were emotionally abused as a youngster. And so you come out as, you know, you, you know, uh, verbally violent or whatever it might be. Whereas if you're in therapy, you can go, you can enter into a relationship and go, hey, I have a tendency to do this. It's something I'm working on. Feel free to call me out or acknowledge my blind spot. And so you're starting relationship from a healthier dialogue. Mm. Yeah, I just I, I wish it was um, cheaper here, so it was more accessible for more people because it's bloody it's bloody expensive. But it's a, it's a, it's the greatest thing I say to people. It's like having a personal trainer for your mind. You know, you, you go to the gym and you have maybe a personal trainer and you, no one thinks anything of it, but there is still a bit of, um, I think, stigma around therapy. Yeah, and it's a shame you're right. It is expensive. I will say, though, that even if you can't necessarily afford it, there are a lot more free resources now. I think Dax Shepard's podcast is really good. I think they talk about mental health a lot and kind of have a lot of experts on. So you can actually source at least some information. Um around it have you ever heard of Elanon before Elanon Elanon yeah it's like you've heard of AA right yes yeah Elanon is something that I'm gonna go to it's it's essentially AA but it's not for the addict it's for the family members or friends or relationship of the addict because quite often if you have an addict of any kind in your family it can cause you to therefore create certain types of behaviors and traumas as well, whether you're covering or you're people pleasing or you get aggressive, whatever that might be. So um, it's quite a cool thing that I don't feel like a lot of Kiwis are really aware of yet. Alcoholism is a huge problem in New Zealand as well. Oh, massive. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, just another thing for people to look up if you are looking for a resource of just some help and some steps to help those affected by living with someone who is battling an addiction, which is quite cool. So yeah, yeah are, are, you, have you got someone close to you that's um yeah yeah I have a family yeah. member my um yeah a family member who is an alcoholic who I kind of yeah just grew up feeling disappointed and all these other things that my personality has like course corrected but swung so far the other way that I end up being a doormat or you know like I let people mm. treat me certain ways because I feel like I'm deserving of that kind so it's all just like stuff that happens in childhood that you have to almost undo setting boundaries with people is the hardest thing for me to do um so yeah, yeah is that to learn mm-hmm Mm, mm. Yeah, alcohol's um, alcohol's a funny thing. It's it's literally the only only drug that you have to justify not taking. Yeah, totally. Do you drink or are you sober? I no, I I love wine. I've got a yeah. I do have a troubling relationship with alcohol. Like um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I do I do need to watch it. Okay. Um, yeah, I I enjoy I enjoy having a couple of wines to to wind down. Mm-hmm. You know, but I I do need to keep an eye on it because um yeah yeah I I know I yeah I know it's not good for you, and I know I drink um, more than what I should. Do you change though? Have you noticed that you or you use it to as a numb? You use it to numb things or what? Or you just love it? Probably just to, yeah, just 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 to relax. I mean yeah, I, I enjoy the I enjoy the feeling of I guess like mild intoxication. Yeah, of course. And that's right. Yeah, same. I do too. I think it's like if it's becoming problematic and affecting relationships, that's usually like a bit of a trigger of like, okay, there's um, some areas here. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I've I've never had an issue like that. Like I never, you know, yeah, I I never never get violent or aggressive or, you know, it doesn't change my personality type. I just become a bit more mellow. But I realise I'm doing something that's not not good for me, and yeah. you know I I do need to keep it in check. Mm-hmm. Well, now a huge thing is hard seltzer or hard kombucha here in LA, so it's like oh <laughs> I can go grab one from the fridge. It's like it's kombucha, but it's got like nine percent alcohol in it, so you're improving your gut health and killing your liver. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, LA. out kind of thing. Whereabouts? Whereabouts in LA are you? Where, where do you in live? Santa Monica. Oh, I love Santa Monica so much. Oh, it's so how nice. do you how do you not run along the, the boardwalk every fucking day? It's beautiful. I walked along it today. Yeah, you you could go for go for a run, run down to run down to Venice and back again. It's probably ten mm-hmm. k all up. It'd be beautiful. Yeah, I should do that. You're right. I I like walking and listening to stuff. I feel like I run and run, and I'm going to cough up a lung. So <laughs> um, I do want to let you go. I've taken way more of your time because it just feels like we're having such a just delightful chat. Um, but I do I'll always ask everyone what their brain looks like. If your brain was a scene, what would it be? What's going on up there? Um, my brain, I feel like it's, um, it's, it's pretty calm at the moment. It's, 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 yeah, my, my brain's in, in pretty good shape at the moment. Would yeah. it be like a sea? Is it like rolling hills? What does it look like? Um, well, today it's like a sea, it's like a calm sea, but it does have, um, it does have the potential to get very, very rocky. <laughs> very, <laughs> There's a very rocky. on the corner and Lionel's going to get sucked away on it. Yeah, got it. Okay. 
Yeah, but I'm 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 becoming better at like like pulling myself in. It's like we were talking before about the uh, oh. the self talk thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's just like some some tools and tricks that I've that I've got that keep me in good shape. And uh, like great gratitude's a big one, eh? Like um, yeah, yeah. The, the more the more gratitude you have, and and the, I, I I don't know. I, I suppose um, I, I spent many years with this, almost like an attitude of entitlement in a way. And the, the more grateful you can be for things like, um, yeah, like my relationship with my ex and things like that, it just makes, it makes life a whole lot, whole lot better. I agree. That's yeah. such a beautiful way to end. Attitude of gratitude. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, good. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not journaling, yes. <laughs> but, but we'll get there. Fast forward three months. I'll bring you one back from LA. They've got thought starters, bubbles. We can make it a whole thing. <laughs> Oh god! Just imagine. We'll get you doing morning pages is what the journaling is. Have you done that? Morning pages. Yeah, so it's a form of therapy. It's like you wake up and before you do anything, you have to write five pages of free thought. Oh, is that like from the, the book, The Artist Way? It is. Yeah, it's exactly right, like right. that. Yeah, it's a skill from that, and so it's like just offloading, basically. Yeah, that's um. Shit, that's a lot of discipline though isn't it that's a lot of writing i'm um yeah i've got um yeah I, i've got quite a troubling relationship with my phone i've um i do have a tendency to wake up <laughs> and, and pick, pick the phone up straight away which is a ter- terrible thing but i'm I, I feel like the when you become aware of these things that's when you can start addressing them yeah so i pick up my pick up my phone now and i, I will i will feel guilty about it which i think is a good first step. <laughs> that's a good start yeah <laughs> And that feeling of self-hatred first thing in the morning is just, it's like a warm blanket. It's like, you know what? I'm humbled. I'm on the right track. It's so good. Yeah. And you know, the, um, there, there, there is two elements of self-loathing, but I'm working, I'm working on that as well. You know, I suppose it's like we were talking before about the self-talk thing. It's like, uh, it's like you, you got to be kind to yourself. You do. You do. Well, I love you very much. You're a wonderful human. I've been Always incredibly grateful for the role that you've played and always supporting me and showing me love and generosity. I'm stoked that you're doing a podcast. There's no one better suited to be doing one. You've got um, such a curious mind. One of my favorite things about you is that you have an element of curiosity. It's the most attractive quality in humans for me, people who are open-minded, willing to learn and just continuing to better themselves. So um I'm grateful for your role in my life. Thank you so much for taking time to chat. And yeah, I love you. Let's hang out in Auckland. Yeah, I I, I, lo- I love you too. That's another. I've become better at saying I love you to people. Um, <laughs> and I, I I find um yeah I find some people are really awkward about it. Eh? Do you find that? Yeah. I don't need to hear it back, so I don't I don't feel uncomfortable about it. If people feel yeah. uncomfortable, like also that's fine. Sorry, someone loves them. Like. <laughs> Like that's like that's fine. Like they can live with being uncomfortable. At least I've heard it. Heaven forbid. My God. And if they're uncomfortable, they obviously don't hear it enough. So I feel like I'm doing them a favor. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pretty Depressed. A massive shout out to our executive producer, Kevin Connolly, and the amazing production team at Action Park Media. Now, I love validation, so please subscribe to this podcast. Give me five stars. Write some nice comments is what I live for. I need it to get through my day. Uh, You can also check us out at prettydepressed underscore on Instagram or send any feedback to prettydepressedpodcast at gmail.com. Cheers.